Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Tell us about it. Why'd you write this book, Barbara? (laughs) Well, first, uh, let me just thank you for inviting me. I'm so moved to be with not just two favorite people on a favorite subject, but I'm remembering two years ago coming to a beautiful forgiveness service, forgiveness evening uh, at the center. You hear me okay? And I, and I brought my son, Charlie, and we were both so moved by it. And then a few weeks later, I went to my first Yom Kippur service. So to be in those two settings of people just uh, uh, really surrounded by uh, uh, an incredible spirit of forgiveness was this was sort of in the halfway mark of writing the book. Uh, So I'm not dodging your question about why did I write it, but I'm so moved in just being with you both tonight uh, and remembering those uh, connections. Well, at the time I I wrote it um, because I felt as most of us do that we're in a world of tremendous anger and vengeance and blame and what would be a possible antidote to that that I might offer. Um, And so the farther I got into exploring forgiveness, that really seemed like the way to go. Uh, And also, you know, my my first book was on generosity and my second on courage. And the the glue that sort of holds those three together is first of all, I think that if you, if you're living a life on the Noble Eightfold Path, uh, forgiveness is just a natural outpouring as our courage and generosity. Uh, it's interesting as I as I told people, I tried not to talk about it as we do when we're working on something. Uh, but when people would ask what I was writing, and I'd sort of mumble and say, "Well, forgiveness," um, to a person people would say, oof, tough one. Nobody said, great subject, can't wait to read it. (laughs) And so I was struck by how tough a subject it is for all of us. Um, So that um, that could have thrown cold water on my enthusiasm, but instead it made me more curious. So that's sort of a long roundabout answer to why I wrote it, but all of those things really were true. Barbara, I'm just curious too, like as a practitioner, you've been practicing a long time and I'm curious about your sense of now at this point, 
that forgiveness has come after many, many years of practice. And for us also, I think forgiveness is a is part of practice, but I'm curious about your relation, personal relationship to your practice and how as that's developed and changed over the years, how did forgiveness appear for you as a challenge, as a, as a direction, as a vow? I think for all of us, it's a continuing challenge. Uh, um, I think it's really the heart of compassion practice. Uh, really, any forgiveness is really, really an exercise in what can we let go of? How can we let go? And I found particularly useful to me uh, was meta practice. Uh, if we really can go embrace a, a meta practice and say those phrases over and over to ourselves, to someone we love, to, I don't really believe there's such a thing as a neutral person, but to a neutral person and uh, to a difficult person. May you be happy. May you be healthy and strong. May you be safe and protected. May your life unfold with ease. If you can really say those in a practice, uh, you have entered into a world of forgiveness. But it's ongoing. It is a practice. Uh, I don't. I think that I think forgiveness sometimes gets a bad rap because people expect it to be a single activity. I have forgiven him, instead of it it taking often years and years uh, of I would say just reorient, reorienting ourselves towards forgiveness, standing in the light of forgiveness, letting it be part of our lives and our practice. Uh, and seeing what comes of that. Surprising things come of that. But I think it has to be something that we embrace in that way instead of, um, by gosh, I'm just going to do this practice and then I'll be able to forgive him for that terrible thing. That doesn't really happen, I think. So I'm curious, how did you, I mean, I'm sure you didn't go on Google and, and it type in forgiveness and you got all these poems come up. So I'm wondering how you, I mean, it's almost 200, I think. Um, 30 poems and 100, 100 quotations. And 100 quotations, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you didn't just Google, you know, forgiveness. So how did you research and how long did it take? And how did you, what was the, uh, the method of whittling down to what, what we ended up, what you ended up with in the book? Oh, thank you, Chodo. Um, well, uh, the whittling down, of course, is the, really the hardest part. Uh, you know, since I'd written two other books in the same format of 30 poems, 100 quotations, and then 12 uh, stories that I wrote about people who uh, embody the quality that I was writing about, um, people would step forward, certainly with the stories. Uh, I found I've become a research junkie. I really, I love to research uh, qualities. I haven't done the vices yet, but these, <laughs> these, these virtues and really researching who's, whose lives uh, just stand out so strongly with, and, and that was whittling down. Uh, there are so many people, uh, in, in this case, I really tried to pick very 
the most extreme examples. Uh, people that after a reader would read one of the stories, they would go, oh, I could never do that. Um, and I did that because I don't believe that's true. I think maybe a few years from now, when you're going through a particularly difficult time grappling with forgiveness, you just may remember that story and think, aha, I can, I can try that on for size. Maybe I can do it that way. So the stories, um, uh, yeah, the, the only downside of the stories is, is that some people were angry that I didn't use their stories, but uh, picking 12 that really stood out, that would really speak to readers in a very uh, poignant way. Um, the quotations, uh, the quotations were not difficult. Those sort of came flooding in. Uh, and the poetry, you know, I've been lucky in all three books in working with poetry professors and English professors and happen to have one in the family, as you know. So uh, uh, coming to the poetry was just like the dessert. It was just wonderful. And I'm, I'm most pleased with the poetry in this book, more pleased than I am with the first two, which I liked very much too. <laughs> but forgiveness poems really uh, sort of tackle it head on, I think. I'm gonna ask you a really difficult question, I think. Oh, good. <laughs> so what is your, your two of your, what are the two favorite poems and the five favorite quotes and why? <laughs> oh dear, is, <laughs> this, is this pass fail? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. So this is the koan. Well, I can't just give you a title of a poem. Would you like me to read two poems? Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. 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 Well, one, one's very short and one's a little bit longer. Not long, long, but longer. Um, the first one I'd like to read, I'll read because I think it's, I picked it because I think it's so ex accessible, uh, even uh, perhaps to children, it's just so, it seems so clear. It's written by a professor, Tafadswa Mugari, who teaches in Mali. And it's called Forgiveness, a very good understanding of forgiveness. One of my teachers had each of us bring a clear plastic bag and a sack of potatoes. For every person we'd refuse to forgive in our life, we were told to choose a potato, write on it the name and date and put it in the plastic bag. Some of our bags, as you can imagine, were quite heavy. We were then told to carry this bag with us everywhere for one week, putting it beside our bed at night, on the car seat when driving, next to our desk at work. The hassle of lugging this around with us made it clear what a weight we were carrying spiritually and how we had to pay attention to it all the time, to not forget and keep leaving it in embarrassing places. Naturally, the condition of the potatoes deteriorated to a nasty slime. This was a great metaphor for the price we pay for keeping our pain and heavy negativity. Too often we think of forgiveness as, we give, as a gift we give to the other person. And while that's true, it clearly is also a gift for ourselves so the next time you decide you can't forgive someone, ask yourself, isn't my bag heavy enough? Amazing. So did you like that? <laughs> Just a bit. 
Oh, good. <laughs> and then to, to change the mood entirely, because we can never have enough of Mary Oliver, her poem is called A Settlement. Look, it's spring, and last year's loose dust has turned into this soft willingness. The windflowers have come up trembling. Slowly the brackens are uplifting their curvaceous and pale bodies. The thrushes have come home, none less than filled with mystery, sorrow, happiness, music ambition. And I'm walking out into all of this with nowhere to go and no task undertaken, but to turn the pages of this beautiful world over and over in the world of my mind. Therefore, dark past, I'm about to do it. I'm about to forgive you for everything. So, you can always rely on me for the tough one. So, I want, I'd be curious of, of three potatoes of yours. Of mine. Uh, or what? Give me one potato. Well, um, it, it, one that this, this book really helped with, uh, you know, every family I think has its uh, dysfunctional elements. Usually we, we notice them around Thanksgiving when they all come out. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a relative who really caused me and my daughter considerable pain about 10 years ago. And I found myself at the time rolling over and over in my mind how am I, how, how will I ever forgive her? How can I ever forgive her? And, uh, I mean, I wish I could say it was writing the book, but it really was, it really was Buddhist practice and the passage of time. Those two things, uh, that, uh, little by little, you can just feel it easing, just feel it easing. I never really could attack it head on. I just was like, we're just, we're just going to live with this. And then, then I found really pretty suddenly one day that's gone. And, and with it, a realization also that it must be very, very difficult to be an angry and hateful person. Uh, I really felt myself standing in her shoes and thinking, oh, this must hurt you so terribly that you want to cause that to another person. So that's a lesson that I do carry with me when I see people hurting. I think, oh, must feel bad to be you. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. I mean, I think that's such, so important that the piece about the use of practice or how the practice really brought you to that place of forgiveness and just waking up one morning thinking, okay, it's done. You know, yeah, such a testament to, yeah, the practice. It is. Yeah. But as with all things in the practice, you can't wait for that moment. <laughs> it does just suddenly come. You know, as a smaller example you might enjoy is uh, really having to do with uh, self-forgiveness. Um, uh, just about a month before the book was coming out, I was to come into New York and, and meet with someone a really beginning friendship who was going to be uh, very helpful to the book in many ways. 
and I wrote uh, uh, I wrote a an email to my publicist, and it was very sort of self-important and grasping, and the things that I wanted this person to do. And we've all done this. I sent it inadvertently to him, and not to my publicist. You know, <laughs> we haven't haven't we all done it? But oh my goodness, uh, the the uh, wanting to thrash myself. Um, and uh, of course, I sent an apology right away. What can you do? No answer. I sent an apology a few days later. No. Uh, and you know, it was almost more useful that he didn't forgive me because it forced me to really confront self-forgiveness. Uh, if he had just said, oh, it's all right, I understand, I don't think I would have tackled it as much as, as I did. Um, and since you like quotes, uh, this one on self-forgiveness helped me so much. Would you like, would you like me to read it? Absolutely. <laughs> From the great Pema Chodron. First, we acknowledge what we feel. Shame, revenge, embarrassment, remorse. Then we forgive ourselves for being human. Then in the spirit of not wallowing in the pain, we let go and make a fresh start. We don't have to carry the burden with us anymore, the potatoes. We will discover forgiveness as a natural expression of the open heart, an experience of our own basic goodness. The potential is inherent in every moment. Each moment is an opportunity to make a fresh start. It's, uh, I think that's wonderful. I really love that. You know, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about, this is the, your third in a trilogy of books about insp inspiring, right? And they're all called inspiring generosity, courage and forgiveness and to appreciate, you know, that there's something that you're making this beautiful, the books feel like this amazing offering of inspirations for people. And to think about, you know, Chota's talking about the quotes and the poems. And I think it's also really important to the stories that you collect and then write. And so I'm curious if there's a particular story in one of the profiles that you have done for this book that is that was inspiring to you well first thank you for just bringing up the word uh inspiring and inspiration because it uh, um at the root of all the book books is my own belief in the power of transformation uh and that inspiration just the slightest little tastes of inspiration, which these books are, uh, can cause a very powerful transformation without our really uh, knowing it necessarily at the time, but suddenly we can have those light bulb moments. Well, one of the, one of the stories that uh, gave me the most pleasure to write, um, because he was a hero of mine, was of the great Congressman John Lewis, who's been on all of our minds this summer, I know. 
and so I, I literally read everything that, that Lewis had written and including his speeches and worked closely with his staff. And many of the stories of, of his life uh, are well known. He certainly, he said that, that forgiveness was at the very heart of the civil rights movement. I'd never actually heard anyone say that before. That's something, that's a very powerful sentence. Um, uh, many people know the story of um, the, uh, when he was beaten in the um, Greyhound bus terminal in North Carolina and uh, really almost killed. And the man who uh, beat him, Albert Bigelow, uh, had no idea who this black man was that he beat until maybe 30 years later, 20 years later, when he read uh, the account of John Lewis now being elected to Congress and his story of the beating in that bus terminal. And, and uh, Bigelow had this crisis of conscience realizing what he had done. And he took his son and went to Washington and asked for um, an appointment with John Lewis, which ended, of course, in spontaneous forgiveness and hugs and many tears. So that story is well known, but it really is, is to the heart of, of Lewis's life. One that's not well known was one that I would really was so happy to include, and that has to do with George Wallace. Um, there, there are some parallels between George Wallace and some political figures that we have to deal with today. Uh, and at the end of George Wallace's life, when he knew that he was dying, he met with Lewis. And let me read a paragraph of what John Lewis had to say, which I think has applications all over for today. When I met George Wallace, I had to forgive him because to do otherwise, to hate him, would only perpetuate the evil system we sought to destroy. George Wallace should be remembered for his capacity to change, and we are better as a nation because of our capacity to forgive and to acknowledge that our political leaders are human and largely a reflection of the social currents in the river of history. I can never forget what George Wallace said and did as governor, as a national leader, and as a political opportunist. But our ability to forgive serves a higher moral purpose in our society. Through genuine repentance and forgiveness, the soul of our nation is redeemed. George Wallace deserves to be remembered for his effort to redeem his soul, and in so doing, to mend the fabric of American society. Beautiful. So, it takes an, an extraordinary heart to, to feel that and to say it publicly. Yeah. Reminds me of the Nelson Mandela moment when he's released from prison. Um, let's open it up for questions. To, uh, yeah, let's do that. Good. Yeah. Great. And don't be shy. You can be shy and still ask a question. <laughs> Sam. Hey, thank you so much, Barbara. 
Um, I have a difficult question because um, when I come to this this um, space of forgiveness, there are realms for me that feel difficult but possible. And then there are realms that feel totally impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of people that were wrongly incarcerated, mm-hmm. genocide. I've read a little bit about like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, but um, yeah, there was actually a very controversial interview with Erica Badu, the the musician, um, and in it she said that you know Hitler was a very wonderful painter, mm. and it made a lot of people very angry. But I think the point that she was making was if we're going to grapple with forgiveness, like we really have to go all the way. And so I'm, I'm curious kind of for you, how you think about that edge and how you work with it. You're right, that's a nice tough one. Uh, <laughs> um, first of all, on, on the Hitler question, uh, because it always comes up, Hitler and Trump usually together. Um, I think it's really not about them. It's about our own need for absolutes. Uh, And uh, we like black and white and right and wrong and evil and good. Uh, and, And dealing with these thornier issues forces us into sort of gray territory. Um, I certainly don't believe, uh, you know, just because I wrote a book on forgiveness that everyone should be forgiven. And uh, certainly I think of victims of abuse, uh, what you need to do is get out of the way and keep yourself safe and, uh, and fight back. And certainly in our political atmosphere now, speak up and fight back. Uh, so I don't think of forgiveness as a soft um, you know, a sort of a soft woo-woo way of reacting to very difficult circumstances. And I, and I zero in on it more um, as a way of bringing forgiveness into our lives. How can we live more forgiving lives? You know, I think in all three books, um, and I'm not begging your question, but in all three books, I was really interested in sort of a a redefinition of the quality. In generosity, I was interested in not having it be about giving and exchanging material goods, but instead living a generous life. And in the book on courage, the courageous act, the running into the burning building to save a child is certainly a wonderful thing, but I'm more interested in how can people lead courageous lives. And the same with forgiveness. Uh, It's not going to be there all the time and nor should it be, but the more that you can orient yourself towards a life of forgiveness uh, and a life of compassion, which is really what it is, the richer you become as a person. But you have to, as you say, stand guard and speak out. And um, particularly in these times, and I agree with you certainly on the incarceration issue, a terrible issue in which we all need to speak out. Uh, But there are so many political issues now, where do we begin? (laughs) Yeah. 
but uh, forgiveness as being a more forgiving person, I think brings you into all issues with a greater desire to put yourself in another's shoes and try and understand the situation uh, in, a, in a broader way. Yeah, I hope that's helpful. I sort of went all around with that one. <laughs> Thank you. There's a question in the chat box from Jean Patricia. Uh, what if someone is unwilling to forgive you or I? Well, so be it. It doesn't always happen. Uh, we, we, we can try to understand. We can, as Pema says, forgive ourselves for being human. And I love her phrase, not wallow in it. We have a lot of wallowing when it comes to the subject of forgiveness, of, of victimhood, and, and uh, sometimes you just have to say so be it and move on uh, because we have a life to lead. I remember in our, when Chota and I used to go to Sing Sing and it was such a powerful teaching for me about, you know, these amazing men who had done terrible things mm -hmm. and the real difference between actions that we're responsible for and who we are as beings and there was such a it continues to be this steady way of really thinking about humility and mm. what are people really were responsible for our actions and yet it's not who we are. It is something that we did. Yeah. And that we have to atone or be at one with. And yet, who are we really? And I know, you know, after 2016, someone sent this little Buddha uh, in the, with a particular face on it, you know, of a particular uh, president. president. <laughs> and, and it's, so cute and there's a little heart in in the heart area like carved out and, and every morning when i'm at the center i kiss it and just like you know and just to remember that it's kind of like the erica badu it's about like that also that person has a heart and they whatever doesn't doesn't mean that they're not totally responsible for all their actions but they're also underneath all of that also a human being and again i don't know and i think that for me not always people are responsible for or should be forgiven like you were saying mm -hmm. because some things are just not forget it's not even about forgiveness really but it's about you know how can you be intimate in the experience of being with that person and still seeing them as a human being. Yeah. And you're, you're so right to distinguish between the, the, the act and the person. Uh, there are so many people who are really so very damaged by early childhood experiences of great pain and suffering. And uh, it, it doesn't mean that we need to 
put our arms around them and say all is forgiven. We're probably quite wise in many of those circumstances to stand back and protect ourselves, but still to understand, still to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does anyone else have a question? I, I did. Um, yeah. I'm really, hi. Um, I'm really, so speaking of the potatoes, I'm really intrigued by the idea that I think um, the idea of weight or a physical burden mm -hmm. seems to be a really common metaphor um, people use for holding a grudge. Even, even just saying that, like it's the grudges, you're holding it, right? It's physical. So I was wondering if that was an idea that you explored in the book, the, this physicality of non-forgiveness and of forgiving. I didn't explore it at great length, but it comes up all the time. Uh, and particularly the obvious, particularly the sense of lightness when one can let go. I mean, we talk about letting go, setting down the burden, um, opening our hearts. All of those are, are metaphors of lightness. Uh, and you can actually feel the sort of lift in saying, I'm, I'm not going to carry that any longer. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I don't know about you, but actually when I sit in practice, I can feel the sense of, the heaviness when we go into that territory and then what the lift feels like too. Yeah, it's a great point. I wish I'd said more about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? A shy bunch. I know a bunch of you are chap. Ah, oh, Michelle. So anyway, related to everything, you know, I mean, stories come up, I really, you know, I like that thing about what do you what do you do if someone won't forgive you? The Dalai Lama does a, a, a rap on that where he says, you know, the first time you ask and second time you ask and the third time. And I think he says, and the fourth time, you just tell him to go jump in a lake or something of that. <laughs> yep. Right. You know, like, okay. You know, so. But the other one was when you were talking about the, un, the unforgivable, I... I stuck in my mind is the story of the Dalai Lama's physician who was basically viciously tortured for 14 years. And when he came out, he was asked if he hated them. And he said, that's, he said something like, he said more, but he said basically, well, that's not possible. <laughs> Just, that's not possible. And when the Dalai Lama was asked if he would if he could possibly forgive the Chinese, you know, or if you wish them evil, he said, I wish them a speedy release from suffering. <laughs> but the one story that I wanted to say is, have you ever come up? I had a very difficult personal um, uh, love relationship that was basically over, but the person at this point was dying. Mm -hmm. And I had a last visitation mm. and I just made, I, I made a decision. I mean, it wasn't even conscious completely because it wasn't yet true. I said, he said, forgive me. 
All right, he's dying, right? And I said, there is nothing to forgive. We were just both doing what we needed to do to get to where we are. And it wasn't true yet. Mm -hmm. In the years, you know, in the time after, once having said it, it became true. And the payoff was the incredible forgiveness, you know, because the, the victim is always at fault. The, uh, the incredible forgiveness I was able to incorporate in my, in my being. You know, all the potatoes were gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, that, that's so wonderful of you to say. That really, that rings so true and it's so poignant. And probably, a part, even though you didn't think you were actually forgiving him, part of you was. And then you just needed to wait it to really come into full fruition. Yeah, it was, it wasn't a lie. It just wasn't really true. Yeah. But it didn't take long after that for it to become so. So you named it. <laughs> So I named it. Yeah. I guess. Huh. Yeah. So I really encourage everyone to get a copy of this beautiful book. It's a treasure trove of wisdom and love. And just like Barbara Bonner is. And so thank you so much. And so the link is in the chat if you want to get a copy and really encourage you to. And Barbara, what closing, how would you like to close? What would be sweet for you? Mm, I hadn't really thought about it. I feel, I feel a tiny bit on the spot uh, because there are, are uh, so many ways to close, I guess, perhaps with one more time with the metaphrases. May you be happy. May you be healthy and strong. May you be safe and protected. May your life unfold with ease. That's what I would wish for everyone. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.